Good morning, good morning. As we prepare to read God's word this morning, I invite you to join me in our prayer for illumination. It is on the screen, so let's pray together, asking God's grace upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke in the fourth chapter. We're reading verses 14 through 21. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee. And a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as it was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Some years ago, on a hot summer day, nothing like the cold day that we are experiencing today, on a hot summer day in South Florida, a little boy decided to go swimming in the old swimming hole that was behind his house. In a hurry to dive into the cool water, he ran out the back door, kicking off his shoes and his socks and ripping off his shirt as he went. As he ran out onto the dock, at the end he, he flew into the cool water. But not realizing it, as the boy swam to the middle of the lake, an alligator was also swimming towards the boy. The boy's father, working in the yard, saw the two getting closer and closer, and in utter fear, he ran toward the water, yelling at his son as loudly as he could. And the son, hearing his father's voice, became alarmed, and he turned, and he began to swim towards his father. But it was too late. Just as the boy reached his father, the alligator reached the boy. From the dock, though, the, the father grabbed his, son's, his son by the arms while the alligator snatched his legs. And an incredible tug-of-war began to take place between the two. The alligator was much stronger than the father, but the father was more passionate, too passionate to let go. A farmer driving by 
hearing the screams, raced from his truck with his rifle and took aim and shot the alligator. Remarkably, after several weeks in the hospital, the little boy survived. His legs were gruesomely scarred by the vicious attack. And his arms were deeply scarred by the scratches in the the places where his father had dug his hands and his nails into his arm. He wasn't going to let his beloved son go. A newspaper reporter later interviewed the little boy about the trauma and asked the boy if he could see and show show him the scars on his legs where the alligator had made those terrible marks that still remained. The boy lifted his pant legs to show the scars, but with obvious pride in his voice, he told the reporter this. He says, but look at my arms. Look at my arms. I have great scars on my arms too. I have them because my daddy didn't let me go. Welcome to week two of our series, Why Church? Last week, we celebrated baptism of the Lord Sunday and the promise that our Abba, our Daddy, our Heavenly Father never lets us go. Never. We heard the Gospel writer Luke tell us that the people were filled with expectation. And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, John the Baptist, whether he might be the Messiah. The people were filled with expectation of what God was already doing. And they were watching, and they were waiting, and they were hopeful, and they were ready, and they even acted, didn't they? They had come out into the wilderness to John. And as we heard, they were wondering what John was all about. They were questioning in their heart whether he was the Messiah. Now, John, of course, he set the record straight. He wasn't the Messiah. He said, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus' own baptism and ours is a beginning point. Jesus was claimed by the Holy Spirit. It was the beginning of Jesus' path of ministry and his journey to the cross, but also beyond. And it's the same for you and for me also. Through our baptism, We are initiated into Christ's holy church. We're incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. And we're given new birth by water in the Spirit. Those are the statements that we heard last week as we remembered our baptism through the United Methodist Liturgy. In baptism, we are joined in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we become part of God's plan for all humanity to experience liberation, to experience freedom. As we intentionally seek to live out our baptismal 
covenant each day. Now, following Jesus' baptism and a triumphant 40 days in the wilderness, Luke offers a generic description of the beginning of Jesus' Galilean ministry before, a shadow, uh, before sharing a, a pivotal moment in Nazareth, Jesus' childhood home. Jesus goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he's called upon to read from a scroll. Before reading, being chosen to read, Jesus is given the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, Luke tells us. And when Luke does not explicitly say this, but, but Jesus was being led by the Holy Spirit. And when he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, such an understanding that he is led by the Spirit is indeed warranted. It's because, you see, Luke has been telling us over and over again about, it, about this leading of, of the Spirit through Jesus' baptism and the Spirit's leading beyond. Jesus' eyes, you see, didn't just accidentally fall on some, some words, a place where he just kind of rolled out to and began to read. No, he was led by the Spirit. And he began reading from Isaiah first in chapter, or what we would call chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. No verses were added until much later, really until the printing of the Bibles. And then Jesus read from chapter 58, verse 6. Isaiah's prophetic words confirmed what Luke had already been sharing that the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. As the words of the prophet attest to, the purpose of Jesus' ministry is found in these words this morning. He has been anointed to bring good news to the poor. He has been sent to proclaim liberty and to restore sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus read, and then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down as was the practice then to preach. Everyone's eyes were fixed upon him. The tension was palpable. They waited for his interpretation, and then he announces, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It had been fulfilled by his deeds, by his words, by his presence. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to anoint, to bring, to proclaim, to restore, and to let the oppressed go free. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus but the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and me also. That same Spirit has fallen on us. The Spirit of the Lord has fallen on us to empower us, to emulate the one that we say that we follow and to learn from him. Jesus said something to the effect that God had sent him so that he was, what? 
sending his disciples, right? As Jesus' disciples and as his church, his body in the world, we are to live out by word and deed, the words and the deeds of Jesus. We're to live them out in this world because the spirit of the Lord is upon you and upon me. We too, you see, are called to fulfill scripture. Jesus' words that day in Nazareth should influence our values for ministry. They should be the very center of our culture as a local church. Jesus' words that day should make up what has been called a value system or our organizational fabric. Now, Lyle Schaller, a church consultant and author of some 55 books, and he edited more than 44 other uh, books on on congregational ministry, he writes this. He says, The most important single element of any corporation congregational or denominational culture is its value system. Its value system. And in the church, our values come from Jesus. But what do our healthy values that come from Jesus do? Don't they tell us that this is what we stand for? This is what we're all about. This is who we are. This is what we're called to do for you and for others. This is what inspires us to action. Jesus' values should be our values. They should define us both as individuals, but also as his collective body, the church. Our values, because they are Jesus' values, Help us to understand that our actions are out among the people, particular people, people with names, people who are messy, who are struggling financially and struggling in other ways, just like you and I are. Just like you and I. And Luke 4, 14 through 21 that we read today is essentially Jesus' life ministry. And it's his purpose in a nutshell. It reveals about who Jesus is and what he will do and who he will do it for. If Jesus really means what he says, we might ask the same question of ourselves. Do Jesus' words reflect our understanding of ourselves and of the work in the ministry and the life of the church. And today I propose a question for you. In fact, it's the question for the whole sermon series. It's why church? But more specifically, why St. Stephen's United Methodist Church? In today's lesson, we learn that Jesus wanted to, what he, Jesus wanted people to know. It's why he went to Nazareth, isn't it? He went back to his hometown, and he read from the prophet Isaiah, 
And he told them about the year of Jubilee. And he rolled up the scroll and he sat down and he declared, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is why I have come. This is why I am here. Let us consider today our reason also for being. I mean, we spend more than a million dollars annually as St. Stephen's Church. But then there's, it doesn't even account for the opportunity costs that we each bring beyond that. We're blessed, so blessed to be able to spend time together, substantial time together, even in the midst of a pandemic. It's pretty good to know why we're here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because God has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. God has sent you to proclaim release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set the prisoners free, the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We're here to worship God and to give God glory and praise. I'm not just talking about here on Sunday morning, but we're here as the church seven days a week, 24 hours a day to do these things, to worship God and to give God praise and glory. We're here to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We're here to serve the world. We're here to heal the oppressed and the brokenhearted. We're here to extend an invitation. We're here to share the good news of of God's love and grace with the world. May we never forget that the gospel is good, great news. The values of Jesus are our values, and they're good news of great joy for all the people. That's what we read about three weeks ago on on Christmas Eve as the angel came to share with the shepherds in the fields and he offered an invitation to come, to come to Jesus. You see, Jesus makes us anew. And the values of Jesus bring liberty and release for all. He has sent us. He says, me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. The values of Jesus proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. John Wesley, one of the principal founders of the Methodist movement, wrote this. He says, I continue to dream. Wesley had a dream. I continue to dream about a renewal that creates authentic community in which every person can be unleashed through the empowerment of the Spirit. John Wesley sought to live the values of Jesus. About a day, April the 2nd, 1739, John Wesley wrote this in his journal. He says, at four in the afternoon, I submitted to be more vile. 
and proclaimed in the highways the glad tidings of salvation. It was an important moment in Wesley's life and in the movement that we call Methodist and Methodism. You see, Wesley was out in the road. He wasn't in the church preaching. He would have much preferred to be in the church. He wasn't comfortable out there. But he submitted to be more vile. He had to even unlearn some of the, the comfortable ways that he had learned as a member of the church. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream as well that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of, slave, of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners would be able to sit down together at a table of brotherhood. He had a dream that one day his, his children, his four children, wouldn't be judged by the color of their skin, but by their character. And with this faith, he believed that people could turn the mountain of despair into mountains of hope and the transformation of discords in our nation and around the world into a beautiful, beautiful symphony. Martin Luther King Jr. sought the values of Jesus Christ as well. And today we hear these words from Luke. We're called to respond, you and I, we're called to respond by being the living body of Christ in the world. We are the liberty for the oppressed, sisters and brothers. We are the acceptable year of the Lord. We are the justice of God, our words, our energies, our actions, and our lives. May it be so for you and for me. May the same mind that was in Jesus Christ be in us as well. May we be his church now and forever. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen.